Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Take your Bible, let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 6. And we find that Luke chapter 6 gives us back-to-back confrontations between Jesus and uh, the Pharisees. And when we look at these two different uh, occurrences, we're we're tempted to think at first glance that they're almost the same, but they really aren't. Uh, There are some important differences. For example, in our our study last week, as we looked at verses 1 through 5, we found that the Pharisees were actively accusing Jesus and his disciples of breaking the Sabbath law because they were walking through a grain field and they were picking off the heads of the wheat stalks and they were rubbing it in their hands and eating the grain. They, they, they accused him. They came after him. Well, when we come to this week's uh, verses, verses 6 through 11, we find Jesus now not coming after them, but going to them and saying, hey, there's this particular thing. Is it legal to do on the Sabbath? And he asks them to answer it. And then um, verses 1 through 5 that we looked at last week, again, that took place in a wheat field. Today, verses 6 through 11 occurs in a synagogue. Uh, But both of them occurred on the Sabbath, which is why there's all this fuss about the Sabbath. So let's read the scripture and then we'll unpack it together. Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Luke says, On another Sabbath, completely different day, he entered the synagogue, that is Jesus, and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he arose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, that is to the Pharisees who were sitting right on the front row, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to them, and there was no answer given. He looks at them intently. He says to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury or filled with rage, and they discussed with one another what they might might do to Jesus. Another interesting storyline. Well, let's begin by uh, taking note that on this particular Sabbath day, there in the synagogue was a man who had what is described as a withered hand. We don't know exactly what that means, except that whatever was wrong with his hand, it was something that was hampering his life, it was something that was causing his hand not to be able to work properly, and it was something very visible that everybody noticed that his hand was crippled. And so if you were to walk into that synagogue on that day and you were thinking, I wonder if there are any needs here today... This man with the withered hand would be extremely obvious. Everybody would be able to see his need, and his need was quite compelling. However, the truth of the matter is, is that this man with the withered hand, his need was not the most compelling need of the attendees of that week's synagogue. In fact, there was uh, a less than obvious, greater compelling need that was resident with the religious elite 
who were in attendance. Whereas the one man had a withered hand, these several leaders of Judaism uh, had withered hearts. And when I say a withered heart, I'm obviously not talking about that which pumps the blood. We're talking about their soul. We're talking about the inner man. We're talking about their spirit. Their soul was withered. Now these men, these religious elite who were setting atop the religious establishment of Judaism, these men had worked long and hard to master the knowledge and the practice of their religion. And from the outside, as the community looked at them, from all of the things external that they did, they were the definition of a fully functioning religious Jew. In fact, those who would watch them and observe them would judge them to be the standard that everyone else should be working and striving for. But as we've gone through Luke's gospel and we've dug deeper and deeper into it, it's become evident that underneath the beautiful exterior of piety and behavioral management lie an ugly, ungodly wickedness that was more vile in God's eyes than the vileness of the common sinner who everybody was able to see their sin. And this then is the paradox we find between appearances and reality. Are you aware that oftentimes what we think we see is not what's real? Are you aware of that church? You should be because just going through life should teach us that oftentimes the veneer that you see on the outside does not uh, tell us the truth about what's really going on in the heart. And that leads me then this morning to truth point number one that I want you to take note of. And that is this, that mankind values outward appearance. We we value external conformity to to rules and regulations. That's where our focus generally is. But God is different. God values inner character that is created by continual submission to his transforming work of the heart. That's where he looks. That's what he is judging by, not by how we look on the outside or what we seem to be obeying, but what's really going on deep within the heart. As I make that truth point, it reminds me of what God said to the prophet Samuel uh, when he was commissioned to find the first king of Israel. Uh, He records the dialogue between him and God in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, where it says, but Yahweh, and those of you who are new, whenever I see Lord, L-O-R-D, capital letters in the Old Testament, that's the translation of Y-H-W-H, which is the covenant name of God in the Old Testament, so I just use his name rather than some title. But Yahweh said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For Yahweh sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but Yahweh looks on the heart. And that right there was the compelling need. You know, although the religious elite appeared to have it all together, they didn't. And they were in desperate need of the inner transformation that comes from submission to the Messiah. 
while their need was not obvious to the people sitting around and perhaps was not even obvious to them, it was more than obvious to Jesus. And so we find Jesus, he's in the synagogue, he's there teaching, he's there communicating the word of God, so he takes opportunity then to make a dramatic visual case that he is the Messiah and that he has more than enough available for anyone as it relates to both their external as well as their internal needs. As we move to verses 8 through 10, Luke tells us that Jesus knew what the Pharisees were thinking. I, I don't know exactly how to interpret that. I mean, obviously, Son of God, God in flesh, uh, he would have the power to be able to read someone's mind. That's certainly true. But then again, the perfect man who uh, observes people's behavior, he knew all about them and what they're about, so maybe he's just reading their body language. I'm not quite sure. All, of the, all I know is that he understood what they were really thinking inside. And what he came to know was this, that these religious leaders of Judaism had not come to the synagogue that day to worship. They weren't there to worship. And they weren't there that day to help anyone find an answer to their need. Nor were they there that day to break down the scriptures and help Uh, the people who weren't as knowledgeable to understand God's word. No, they were there with the singular purpose of finding some fault with Jesus, some crack in his armor, some place where he's not quite meeting the law so that they could use that thing against him and make accusation against him. And on this particular day, they're looking for some crack in the armor as it relates to the Sabbath law. How is Jesus breaking the Sabbath law? And they interpreted that doing a healing on the Sabbath would equal work. And so that from their mind would be a violation of the Sabbath law. And so that's where the religious leaders are. What happens next in this passage um, causes me to ask what I think is a very important question. We know that Jesus did perform a miracle. We just read about it. But the question is this. The miracle that Jesus performed, was was it for the benefit of the man with the withered hand? Was that the primary reason? He just felt compassion for this man whose hand was all messed up. And so he decided, I'm going to do something for this poor man just to make him whole. Was that his primary intent? Or was it to give irrefutable evidence of his messiahship to these religious but unbelieving leaders? Which was it? Well, it's both. It's both. In fact, we could answer yes to both of those questions, but we would have to add one more thing that wasn't in the text, and I'll start there. What is the reason that Jesus uh, performed this miracle? Well, first and foremost, the miracle was performed for the benefit of the glory of God the Father. We, We need to understand first and foremost that everything Jesus said and everything Jesus did was always about bringing glory to the Father. That was what his motivation was. That's where his heart was. That's what he was doing. Now, one of the ways that we find uh, Jesus bringing glory to the Father is by showing the people what the kingdom of God actually looked like. 
And so if you remember a few weeks back as we were looking at Jesus as he was in the synagogue in Nazareth and uh, he was preaching and telling the people there what it would look like if the full rule and reign of God was active on earth. And he said that if the full rule and reign of God's kingdom is in play, then the poor are going to receive the riches of the gospel. The brokenhearted are going to be healed. The captives will be delivered. The blind will receive sight and the oppressed are set free. That's what God's kingdom looks like when it's in full play wherever it may be. And as we think about those outcomes of the kingdom of God being fully engaged, we need to ask ourselves, well, why is such a difference between what God's kingdom would be like and what our world is like today? And I want to answer that. I want you to understand that the existence today of poverty, of brokenness, of captivity, of blindness, of, of oppression is due to the first man, Adam, as he abdicated his God-given dominion over the world to Satan. That's what happened in the garden. In his fall, he abdicated what God had given him as a dominion over the whole world. He abdicated it to Satan. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.